Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. Amen. Hallelujah. Wow. What a time. What a time we're going to have today, too. I'll tell you what, it's just uh, exciting. Don't let all these papers bother you. I'm not going to preach everything on every paper. I don't think. Let me think if I got the right papers. I don't even have the right papers here. Well, some of them are the right papers. Let me see what I got. Here it is. This is what I'm looking for here. Hallelujah. Now, you know, I'm just, uh, just so grateful to have uh, Pastor Alvin and Victoria in my life. And, uh, and you know, I'm my spiritual father, I had a spiritual father too, Dr. Ed Dufresne. He's in heaven now, but he's still my spiritual father. And I do that because I'm still following his words. See, I, I really don't have anybody right now that ministers to my mantle as much as he does. And I think that's because I was a son to him and I didn't had impartations for 20 years and God gave me his name. I was praying, you know, my church was growing, things were great, my marriage was good, my kids loved God. But I just felt like I was falling behind. And like, I, I felt like this, the only way to explain it, I know I needed to get somewhere, but I didn't know where there was. And uh, that's a frustrating feeling for a pastor that loves his wife, my wife loves me, I got two children, love God, still love God, they're serving God today, both of them. Uh, so. But feel frustrated. Prayed in tongues every day since May of 1978. And this was in 93 when this happened to me. So I'd been in the ministry quite a while, pastored two or three churches. Uh, and now I was in the church that I'm going to be in probably the rest of my life. My son now pastors that church. But I was just frustrated. I don't know if you know what I'm saying. I'm just talking here a minute just to tell you a little bit about myself. But I was reading something he said last night at the hotel. I carry stuff with me that I can read that edify me, that help me. You know, when you find something that speaks to you, don't just read it once and put it away. That's not, see, God's endeavoring to get something over to you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, what I did is I said, well, Father, I'm just going to dedicate myself to pray an hour in tongues every day until you speak to me about what I need to do. And I said, I'm not going to put it with my regular prayer time because I can't go two or three hours every, every segment. That's too much for me right now. My regular prayer time was an hour, an hour and a half, sometimes a little longer. But I'm going to take a different time of the day and just isolate myself either in my car, my bedroom, or wherever, or driving, and just pray in tongues for one hour. And I'm going to listen to you until you talk to me about it. Well, it was 90 days later before he talked to me. And he said, I want you to call Dr. Ed Dufresne. Now, I knew he existed. I'd met him one time years before, just a brief, uh, brief thing. And so I didn't even know where he was on the planet. I told the staff, get on the Internet and figure out where he's at, and I'm going to write a letter to him. So I kind of told him what I just told you in a nutshell about being frustrated and that God gave me his name. And I said, I'd like you to come as soon as you can. That was in the fall of 93. So because God gave me his name in 93, I counted from 93 until he went home in 2013, which was 20 years. So he came, he came in February. We had a good meeting, but we didn't have the meeting we could have had because God got on me when he left and said, uh, 
you didn't have the meaning you could have had because you didn't teach them about the ministry of the prophet. And at that time, I was a prophet too, but I didn't really fully comprehend it. And when I started comprehending it, I didn't like it because it was another dimension for me to get into. And I read Brother Hagin's book on the ministry of the prophet, a wonderful man of God, but that discouraged me more because he said that if you're going to be a prophet, you're going to be maligned, you're going to be lied about, people think you're crazy because you're not like other preachers because you're a prophet, you do different things a different way. I said, thanks a lot. <laughs> but anyway, Dr. Dufresne got into my life. The whole purpose in saying that, and he began to impart to me immediately. That first meeting, he grabbed me. I was sitting where Pastor Alvin said, and he came off the platform, bear hugged me, said, I what I have going to this man. Something jumped in me. Of course, I know it now was the anointing. And it was anointing from a, I could put it this way now, because I can say that a senior prophet to a one that needed to be mentored prophet. <laughs> and so... He began to change everything because the first time he came, he didn't open his Bible, didn't take out no notes. He just left it zipped through it on the podium and started ministering to people. My people thought I'd lost my mind. <laughs> and, and the reason they thought that was because I rutted them in teaching. Listen, let me say something. I'm not against teaching. I'm going to teach you in just a minute. But if teaching would all take to get us complete in revival, then we would have been there a long time ago. We need a move of the Holy Ghost. We need to be spiritual people that can receive. We need to be people that come to church that are willing to flow with whoever's preaching, and I'm preaching today, and yield to it and get received from it, and it could be so much better for everybody. But he said this comment. I'm getting, in, I'm getting ready to get in the Word with you. He said this comment on a piece of paper. The reason many uh, people don't make it in the ministry and don't make it to the end of what God has for them is they never brought their supply. So I'm saying that to tell you what I'm going to teach I wanted to teach something else, but the Lord said, no, you need to bring your supply. What is my supply? Well, divine healing is my supply for you today. I have an endowment from God about healing and get people healed. I'm going to read some testimonies. I've got hundreds of them, but I've just got a few today to talk about. And so part of my supply is not the only thing I bring, but I'm just talking so you, you get to understand that. I'm not complicated. Don't tell me you didn't understand me. I'll slap you because I know that that's not true. I, I'm educated, but I don't, I don't use uh, 17 letter words and stuff like that that you don't understand. What I'm telling you is I'm a very simple man and you can understand me. There's no reason you can't understand the way I talk unless you just don't want to hear it. But other than that, I'm pretty plain. So I'm going to teach on healing today. I was going to teach something else about sonship and how to be a good son and daughter. You know, so that you can learn how to do that. If you don't know, you should get my book. I didn't bring my books. I brought a book to give you later today, The Authority of the Believer, that I wrote. I'm going to give you that free as a gift, just postpaid, and you can have it. Amen. But for today, I'm going to teach on healing. Amen. So let's begin over here in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. And I, the reason I do this is because God said, don't get too far away from healing. Because I gave you an endowment. I was in this city teaching on endowments one time for Pastor Rogan, Dr. Rogan's church. And I, I was talking about endowments. And he told me after the service, some rich lady in, our, in the city here, married to a very wealthy man. He went first, but she went later. And she endowed Vanderbilt University with like $395 million or something. I'm thinking, wow. You know, when you get an endowment of almost $400,000 million, you can build a six-story building, a world-class professor, 20 assistants, a, a floor of just equipment, which if you've ever been to a hospital, some of that equipment costs 2 and $3 million for one unit or more. 
So what you, what happens is when you have an endowment, you can all you just begin to do things you couldn't do without that endowment. I'm not bragging on me. I can't heal you, but the one in me and the endowment in me will heal you if you receive it. And let me just say one more thing before I get in the word with you. You know, you have a part in this too. If you don't get it today, I'm not going to go home and be grieved about it because I'm ready to pray for you if you'll receive it. But I want to say this. Romans 1 tells us, you're in Matthew 10, leave it in park. Romans 1, 11 says it's mutual faith, which means that I release what I have to go into you. You take it and receive it, whether you feel it or not. Sometimes people have a lot of different feelings. Sometimes people feel like electric hit them. It didn't hurt them, it just buzzed them, or it's warm honey, or uh, some kind of, I hate to use that word buzz, but it comes kind of buzz to them. Other people don't feel anything, and they get totally delivered, because they believed in the endowment that we were ministering under, that comes from God. I can't make that happen, I just yield to it. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. You with me so far? So I'm here in Matthew 10, first of all, let's read verse 1, and then we'll go down to verse 7 and 8. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Look at that. And you know, he gives us power too to do these things. Mark 16 tells us that. We don't need to go there. It's to the whole body. Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. First thing he said, you'll, if you believe in his name, you cast out devils. Didn't say anything about a special anointing like I'm talking about. They didn't say anything about you going to feel anything. You just lay your hands on people and pray in the name of Jesus and you can get them healed. But let's go down to verse 7 and 8 now. And as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. But I wanted you to notice this one comment here, heal the sick without any limitations. Heal the sick. I mean, anybody that's sick, you could minister to them. And if they would receive it and you would be in faith to release what you have, you know, then they could receive it. And sometimes when people are immature, they have to, you have to carry them a little bit. Now, I tell people in my church, I don't pastor anymore, but I used to tell them, if, when you first come in this church, if you're ignorant of the way we teach and believe God, or it doesn't matter if you're 80 years old or 67 or 45, you don't know nothing yet. So a lot of times I could carry you on my faith for a period, maybe two years. I get them delivered from every kind of devil you can think of, get them healed, bless their kids, bless their marriage, all that stuff. But then I said, if you've been with you five, six, seven, eight years and you didn't pay attention and you get something that's dramatic or terminal, a lot of times I'm not going to be able to turn that for you. So you're going to have to either deal with it yourself or die. <laughs> I hate to be so straight with you, but that's just the way it works. I've been in this long enough. 45 years. I'm in my 46th year. My wife just passed away last September, but August came before that. We finished 45 years of ministry full time. And I'm very grateful to that. Here's some testimonies. I had a lady in Texas. She's a young lady. That's 20 some years old, taking 15 meds a day. I think the word was about depression. She stood before me. She's probably 22 years old then. Maybe she's 30 now. Uh, she said in the last two years, she'd been in four mental hospitals, taking 15 meds a day. I laid hands on her. I said, come out of her. And all of a sudden, this spirit came out of the side of her rib cage. On this side, actually, went through the wall. And her eyes got real big. I said, what happened? Well, just tell me. I said, well, it seemed like something came out of my rib cage over here. I said, yeah, it's the devil. He left you. 
So, and I called to check on her after I'd been gone six weeks. She said she's still normal. She's not taking her meds. I didn't tell her to throw it away. I don't tell people stupid stuff like that or throw your glasses away. You're just going to have to buy another pair <laughs> unless you really believe you can be healed. Listen to me carefully. I'm not a goofy guy. I'm a, I'm a, a right person. I mean, live. okay. Well, she got delivered. Then I was in Mexico City. I've been there 20, 30 times in my life. I just got back recently. Uh, I was there, and, and we had a really good move of God. It was packed that time. And we had uh, Mimi is the daughter of the pastors of that church. She's probably 35 years old now. She brought this young lady up to me, looked like she's 18 or 19. She said, Dr. Jacobs, I want you to pray for this girl. Her sister committed adultery with her husband. I said, well, honey, you heard me preach. And, you know, she's interpreting, but she understood English too. I said, you understand me in English? I said, yeah, then just hold it. Let me talk to her. I said, you're going to have to forgive your sister. I know she messed you over. But if you want to be healed and delivered and get right and get your brain back and your mind back, she's bawling like a kid, baby. You know, that's a devastating thing that your sister would betray the covenant with your husband. Oh, my gosh. And I said, she said, yeah, I'll repent and I'll forgive my sister. And I prayed for her. And she got delivered. Yeah. And I went on and ministered to some other people. Now, this, then Mimi got the sister was in that meeting, too. I didn't know this. She brought her up. She said, this is the sister that committed adultery with her sister husband. Well, you know that's wrong, right? You're not going to do that again, are you? I'll pray for you if you guarantee me you're going to be done with him. You can't tear up a family and live right. That's going to devastate the rest of your life. You're going to have to get right and you're going to have to repent and mean it, that you're sorry you did that. And she did, and I prayed for her, and she got healed and delivered. There's a family restoration there, all right, during that one little me. <laughs> it was moving for me to see those girls and they understood what I was saying, and they repented and all that. It was really great. Now, I was over here at Pastor uh, Calvin's church a few years ago. I don't remember how many. And I had a, a preaching on angels and money. And when I preached, the ceiling filled up with angels. I've had that happen two or three times in my life now. And so we released them, and they took off to take care of people's money situations. I haven't got time to explain all that to you. I don't bring my books. I brought them here a hundred times. I didn't bring any but the free one this time. When I come back in when? September, November, I'll bring some books then. I don't carry my CDs anymore. You can get online and find me. Everything I preach is on my podcast. There's about 150, 200. You get read them for free. You get it on your phone or your computer or iPad. I'm not real technical. Whatever mechanical devices you use. I'm still trying to figure out my phone. <laughs> And I was over at Pastor Cowan's, and, and I was preaching on angels. And then when I got done, we received the offering. The anointing hit me for healing. I said, anybody have any bone trouble, get up here. Now, my wife was with me in that meeting, sitting on the platform. And I don't know how many people I prayed for. I said, how many people do you think I prayed for? It seemed like a lot. She said about 300. There was about 50 in a line across the front, and that filled up six times. Then I went, and then I was done. You know, I was done with what I had to do, and I went, came up on the platform, and Somebody took me in the back room, and I went in the bathroom in there, washed my hands, and I came back out, and there was the two drivers that had been assigned to me and my wife to take us to the hotel and bring us to his church, and there was a lady in between them, and she was probably about 45, and the guy, one of the drivers said, I want, this lady got healed in your meeting just a minute ago. I said, she did. I didn't even wreck who, or, I didn't know who she was the first time I'd paid attention to look at her. 
And the guy said, I want to show you how she was walking to get up to the prayer line. You touched her. She, she, she can run now. I said, run, lady, run. And I ran with her. We're back, we're back in the green room running around. Woo! She had rheumatoid arthritis. You know, that's a bone problem. And that was one of just so refreshing. And then I was there that night preaching on something else. And I was in the back eating. And he, he brought to one of these ladies who had long dreadlocks. And she, she, he said to her, I want you to tell Dr. Jacobs what happened today. She said, I want you to, she pulled her dreadlocks. I want you, give me your hand, Dr. Jacobs. Feel my neck. I said, well, it feels like mine, normal. She said, yeah, but I had a bone spur about three quarters of an inch sticking right out the back of my head there. It was extremely painful. And I got in your prayer line before I got back to my seat to sit down, it disappeared. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is not Disneyland, this is Bible land. I don't have any pixie dust or magic wands or anything like that. <laughs> Just so you know what I'm thinking. Yeah. We better get, I'm going to read some more of these in a minute though. They're rich. So I wanted you to see this in verse 8. Heal the sick. He didn't put except for this or that. He just said, when the sick, you see them and they're willing to receive. I'm adding some things to that thinking. Because, you know, you can't help people that don't want help. And you can't help people that want to fight you about it all. But what about this and what about that? I don't know, you asked your pastor, pastor, I'm not your pastor. You know, I'm not the answer man for everything. And I don't have time to answer everybody's questions. Oh, my God, humanity is so rattled in their heads. <laughs> I know none of you would admit it, but some people have been that way. And they don't get the main part of the main part. I'm just telling you, I have anointing to heal people. If you would receive from me, that would be, I would feel fulfilled and you would get blessed. And if you don't need that, I may have some words of knowledge that you do need. You know, I could say all kinds of things. Like if you're committing adultery, adultery, stop it. Or if you're out drinking and partying, stop it. You know, you can't live faithfully for God like that. And, the devil take advantage of you. The curse is still in the earth, but we don't belong to that because we're the blessed group. We're under Jesus and that covenant he's in. The new covenant. All right. So heal the sick. There were no limitations on that. Let's, let's go over to something else here. Let's go over to uh, Matthew 14. And let's look at something here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Matthew 14, 34 through 36. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret, that's a city in Israel. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, of Jesus, they had knowledge, listen to this, they had knowledge of him. They didn't have just knowledge about him, but they had knowledge of who he was and what he could do. I'm putting it in that framework for you. They sent out into all the country roundabout in the area there where he was and brought unto him all that were diseased. Didn't matter what they had, they had leprosy or they had some other form of cancer type of thing. And leprosy eat the end of your fingers off, your nose, your ear, your toes, you know, whatever. It's just a deadly disease in that day like cancer would be today. Or whatever disease they had, heart trouble, brain issues, lung issues, bone issues, organ failure, organ not functioning correctly, causing all kinds of problems. So. But whatever, whatever. But I want you to see they brought all to him that were diseased. They, they didn't get to a group of people. And, well, you can't come, whatever you got there. That looks terrible. Or you come, you come, not you. And you, 
you have to understand, they went everywhere and got anybody that was diseased said, come on, we got to go see Jesus. He's a healer. He's still the healer. I'm not. He's living in me. And he's endowed me with a healing gift. All right. That's all I'm saying. I don't own it. I don't possess it. I just use it because God put it in me. He gave me a gift. Now, when I grew up in church, I didn't believe this. Didn't ever heard anything about it. They didn't know anything about it either. In a Baptist church. They might be Bapticostals a little and pray in tongues, but that don't mean they know what I'm teaching. You've got to be taught something to understand this. I know your pastor believes this too, but I have a healing endowment. I'm talking from experience now, many, many, many years. Even when I wasn't at the place I'm at today. So, but I know teaching it helps people to understand that what you're bringing to them so they can receive of that if they have need of that. All right. So let me see here. Let's verse 36. And besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Perfectly whole. Look it up in the Amplified for me, Pastor. They, as many as touched were made perfectly whole. If that was 550 or 500. And begged him to let them merely touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made perfectly restored. I like that in the Amplified. In the, I took Greek in seminary, uh, and this, this is accurate to the Greek New Testament. So I think that restore just means something beyond what I just read. To me, it does. It has a different effect on my thinking. And many, as many as touched were made perfectly restored. So that meant as many as came that were sick, touched him, that could touch him, that were trying to, they were healed. No exceptions, no limitations. If we'd learn that, we'd get further down the road with a lot of things that we're doing and teaching about healing. I'm talking about healing, I'm not talking about marriages, not talking about raising kids, not talking about money. I'm talking about healing, divine healing. And I'm telling you, this pathetic. When I was a pastor, and I pastored off and on for almost 40 years, at least uh, 35 of them strongly, and every time somebody gets sick in my church and I go to the hospital, I have to park on the roof. That was not this way when I started in the ministry. I could park just about anywhere close down. But there's so many sick people. Now, isn't it amazing? We got more doctors, more technology, smarter people in some areas. Smart, let me say it different. Educated people beyond what they were 40 years ago. I have an associate that was in a, a paintball contest with our men and jumped off of a cliff and hit a rock with both his feet. They had to carry him out of the woods and they got him to the doctor. The doctor said, if this happened to you 30 years ago, we'd cut your feet off because we don't know how to fix that. But we now know how to fix your feet. Wow. Of course, he was impaired for a long time. He, and he, he would come to church in a wheelchair and do his work on the wheelchair. And he was very committed to Sean Gehring. And now I don't see him limping or anything. But I mean, he was hurt seriously. And he said the surgeon told him, you know, if this had happened to you 30 years ago, son, we'd cut both your feet off because they're so damaged. I don't know how big the cliff was, but it was a cliff and he jumped down. He didn't see a rock by the edge of the creek and hit it like that and just shattered his feet. And so he's recovered now. But see, the guy said, we didn't have this knowledge 35 years ago. We're just coming to this the last 10 or 12 years or whatever he told him. And now we know a procedure we can do to help you to maybe save your feet. That's important. Now, that's a different kind of endowment and educational, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But. Listen to this, as many as touched were made perfectly whole. You could be perfectly whole today. Now, let's go to Psalm 107. You with me so far? Just talking about healing, God's healing in our life. Psalm 107, 
I'm going to read a verse in just a minute. I want to read you healing. Uh, this is interesting here. This lady got healed. Said, you prayed for my valves of my heart and for my heart as a whole and my heart is healed. The diagnosis the heart doctor had was that I had inflammation and that I had a previous diagnosis of a damaged heart, pulmonary valve and regurgitation, blood going back into the heart. The valve was not closing fully. That's not supposed to happen. According to the cardiologist in College Station, the problem was congenital from birth. This problem gave me a heart murmur, something like a double heartbeat. According to the diagnosis in the two attached documents, she's got two medical papers here, documents from the hospital and different things validating what she's saying, that that was true, and said, according to the diagnosis in these two attached documents, there's no heart murmur now, no problem with the pulmonary valve. But God fixed that valve and fixed her heart and brought her out. Hallelujah. Out of sickness into health. Yeah. Let me read you this one, too. This is a lady here in Nashville somewhere. I think she goes to Pastor Keith's church. Uh, a year and a half ago, I first started attending church on the rock under Pastor Rogan. You ministered. Afterwards, you called for anyone who needs help in your mind. This is interesting. Uh, and, of course, that girl that was in four mental hospitals in two years had a real problem yeah. mentally, emotionally, however you want to word it. She's in and out of the hospital. And taking 15 meds a day for mental health. You know, our country's in, a, I don't know if you realize, this country's in a crisis, and so is all the world, with mental health issues. And I'm concerned, because I'm concerned over what God's concerned. He's stirred up, too, about the fact of the mental, the mental, the mentalness about our country, how people think in their head. They don't ever think out of their spirit. I mean, some of us do. But what I mean, naturally, the news, you just turn that news off. That, they're only telling you something that's already happened. Why don't you get with God, and he would show you what's to come. Come on. But this girl had some problems in her mind and said, since a child, I've never thought clearly. She's a young lady now. I would be so contaminated, I could not speak clear. I held a thought, forgot what I was saying, and my mind would blank out on me. I could never remember what I, what I would read, etc. I suffered from, she called it, thought overload and never thought clearly. Well, I went up and you laid hands on me. You said you saw something leave me. At that moment, my mind was clear. And she said she stayed clear. I had to tell myself to go to sit down. She was standing up in line up here for a long time. She said, had to tell myself to go sit down. She was just so stunned. She felt normal and her mind was clear. As I drove home, I never felt so free in my life. And that's what we're looking for. <laughs> now, you know, if you're not going to read your Bible and you're not going to pray every day, there's no sense in me doing anything to you because... You've got to get committed in here with me, and you have to do something to maintain. Getting you delivered is easy. It's, it's walking in your freedom or walking in your health or healing that will help you. Of course, this little book I brought will help you go a long way to help you know you have authority. And you've got to know you have authority. And this is one of the, I think it's one of the more difficult things the body of Christ. Some of us know, but I think as a whole, people don't know that. And they feel insecure. Well, what do you mean I'm a, not a joint heir? I'm not a... Uh, you're not a sub-heir with Jesus, you're a joint heir with Jesus. I've been saying that for 15 years, and people looked at me like I was crazy when I first started saying it. I said, when you figure that out and get established in it, life will be different for you. Jesus doesn't have any authority we don't have. I'm talking about as a believer, not as a prophet. As a believer, you have staggering authority. Like Lester Summerall said, heaven sets its limits. 
deity sets the limits of what we have have authority. That's why I brought this book. It's I wrote it, but it is just such a good book. I think it's really smart. I wrote it. I read it. And I said, "That's good." Who wrote this? Oh, that's my book. <laughs> Sometimes I do that. And this girl got healed in her mind. Just wonderful. I got some other things here to talk about too in a minute. I just kind of put those in my services. It's helpful. And so let's we're 107, Psalm 107, verse 20. First, let me let me back it up to verse 2 a minute and show you this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. So you need to be saying that. I'm saying I'm redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I have authority over the enemy, which is the devil and all demons. I have authority over them. Because I'm going to walk in this, what this book teaches, the authority of the believer. So look at verse 20 here. He sent his word and healed them. Now, this is an interesting scripture because I've looked this up in a lot of translations. And they've said things, different things about it. But he sent his word. First of all, he sent the written word. Secondly, he sent the living word, Jesus. But we're seeing that he sent his word and healed them. He didn't send it to see if it would heal them. He sent his word and it healed them. So the word that I'm preaching to you today, which is on healing, uh, this page, I may not use everything here. I might cut my time down so I can minister to you a little. But the word is the healer, really. And he sent his word and healed us and delivered us. Now notice, not from the devil's destructions, from our own destruction. Sometimes we just make, a, I'm just bringing this out as part of your healing process. Sometimes it's just a little tweak. And you go to God and say, well, what's wrong here? Well, you haven't talked right to your wife in a month. What's the matter with you? You're mean acting. Or he might tell you, you don't treat your husband right. Or, you, you know, if you're a child and you're living in your parents' home, you maybe disrespected them or, or vice versa. You know, there's a lot of things. But just let God speak to you in just a little comment there. Or maybe you're not a tither yet. You need to begin to tithe. Not for our sake. I mean, you know, I'm taken care of whether you tithe here or not. But at the same time, I appreciate people that want to help me in my ministry. I need help. <laughs> I need help for aviation particularly. But anyway, he sent his word and healed. I'm just talking about little things God may tell you. And you can't buy your healing just because you give some money to the church. But you should begin to be a responsible, normal, prompt-to-do-it giver. Everybody ought to be that way. If, we, if everybody was that way, and I'm way beyond being a tither. I've been a tither almost 50 years, and I'm way over. I'm over and above land this time. I think in the last two and a half years, well, I'm not going to tell you that. That's just too much for you. All right. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And I wrote down our destructions are the way we think, the way we talk, and the way we believe. Those are all destructive things if they're not in line with the word. Let me repeat it. Our destructions are the way we think about things, the way we talk about things, and the way that we believe or not believe. See, those three things are our destructions. So we've got to continue to renew our mind to the word of God or what the Bible calls our soul. You know, James refers to it as the soul. The engrafted word will save your soul. Your soul isn't saved. Your spirit was reborn. Your soul, your, your mind, will, and emotions have to be retrained and reprogrammed with the Word of God. How about, how about this one scripture to think about what I'm saying? 2 Timothy 1, 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The Amphite says a calm and well-balanced mind. I like to say it this way. 
Father, I thank you when I get up in the morning. Father, I thank you for balancing my brain and making it release what it needs to release for my body and helps me to balance everything in me chemically, electrically. You know, you got an electric system. I don't understand that either, but I believe it because they've proven you do have electric things going on. Okay. All right. So this is what I said about this scripture here. Hang on a minute. It answers your questions. If you get in the Word, it'll answer your questions that you've had. And I, I put down to the side all of my questions. And I had all the questions you've ever had and probably some you never thought of because I'm in leadership. And, and you, when you pastor people, two or three hundred or whatever it was, everybody has different opinions, different comments. What about this, Dr. Jacobs? What about that, Dr. Jacobs? Well, I'll, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you if I know. If I don't know, I'll just tell you, I don't know. Go figure it out. But uh, that doesn't mean I know everything. That's fair enough. But if I do know, I can help you if you let me help you. So it answers, when you get in the Word, it'll answer all your questions. How about Paul's thorn and Job? I have tapes on that. It's on my internet. All you got to do is find my website, Church on the Rock in Indiana. I'm getting my own website. They're building it right now. It's not up and running. I'll tell you when. And that way you won't have to scroll down from Church on the Rock to find me to find the stuff that I do, my itinerary, and that how to give. And to We're getting my own what do you call it? Website. They're building it right now. Whatever that is. <laughs> they told me I needed it. I said, okay, how much does it cost? I said, oh, I can afford that. Go ahead. Number two, it feeds your faith. The word will feed your faith along this line. On healing, on a, such an important issue as healing, it'll, the word will feel, feed your faith on healing. And you have to find healing scriptures. And that's pretty easy if you have a concordance, look up healed or disease or sickness or any, and find out where those passages are listed and read around it, read before it, read after, and get a, get a more of a grip on things of what we're, spo we're supposed to be. You know, James, I think that this is true. And James, uh, kind of a, maybe a baby church, it says, is there any sick among you? Like, would there be any sick among you? With what you know, you're redeemed by the hand of the enemy, which I just read you. And I sent my word to heal you. Is there anybody sick still? But if you are sick, call for the elders. That's, I'm an elder too. And elders don't mean a gray-headed guy that's old. That, that's not what that means. If you're an elder in the church, you're a minister. You're five-fold rank. That's what I am, five-fold. Just talking to you here. Is any sick among you? Listen to that. Is any Whatever, no limitations again. If any sick, call for the elders, let them pray over you. The prayer of faith, anoint you with oil, and you'll be saved or healed, or what the word says, healed, and delivered from that. God makes it so simple. You have to have people help you misunderstand stuff. And you've had a lot of that, and I have too. I went to seminary, oh my gosh. Number three, it puts you in a position to receive. All this comes from knowing the word on healing. He sent his word and healed us. So it answers your questions and my questions. It feeds your faith and my faith. It puts us in a position to receive. And number four, it helps us meet the conditions. You know, one of the things, I'm just going to touch on it briefly. When you pray, believe you receive. So if you come up here and I pray for you, let's say you had a hip problem. And you, you, you felt the anointing when I touched you, but then by the time you got to the car, you said, well, I thought I was healed, but Dr. Jacobs must not have had it today. That's just the devil. See, that's your flesh telling you you didn't get it. That's where you need to hold on. When you pray, you believe you receive. You believe you receive it so that you can have it. 
and sometimes there's a little bit of time gap between when you believe and when it actually manifests in your body. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you about a little boy in my church. He had, let me see what he had here, muscular uh, muscular dystrophy. He's about 10 years old. He had an arm like this, and he had this leg. And he was, uh, in, his parents were in my church, and one Sunday morning I preached on faith, and I said, anybody want to come for healing today? Here he came, little Jimmy. He's about five rows back. He came up, okay, Dr. Jacobs, I'm ready. Lay, lay your hands on me. I laid hands on him and prayed. I said, I believe you receive. He said, I do too. And he went back to his seat like this. But within a month, he was zipping his pants. He had never done that because this arm was impaired. His mama had to dress him zippy zipper and the whole. Then about four or five months later, he was tying his shoes. And by next year, he was in the junior high playing basketball. Yeah, his grandpa came to my house. I think he wanted to whip me on the front porch. Really? He came to me, disturbed me. I was in 4th of July. Diana said, there's somebody pounding on our front door. He sounds pretty angry. And I went over to her, what, what do you need? Are you Mr. Jacobs? Pastor, yeah, I am. Well, da-da-da-da about my grandson. Well, you don't know anything about it. What, I, what do you mean? I didn't do that. Like I told him to quit taking medication or something. I didn't do that. I said, listen, if you want to talk to me, I'm trying to have fun with my family. You're a disturbance right now. I don't want to step out there because I don't want to get in a confrontation with you. But if you really want to talk to me, you meet me at my church. You know where that's at, don't you? You've never been there, but you know it's on... 403 Community Tabernacle. I'm going to call Dale. Dale's going to meet me, you and your wife out there. I mean, he wanted to whip me right on the spot. He was weird. And so I went out there and we said, listen, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't tell the parents to take him off of anything. She was a nurse. He's an EMT, EMT person. They're very knowledgeable of medical problems. I didn't tell him to take him off of anything. What are you talking about? He got in the prayer line. I prayed for him. He was believing God. I was believing God, and he got it. You're not happy your son, your grandson's normal now? His arm's functioning? His leg's working? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to say, what's wrong with you? That's what I felt like. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, when you do the most extreme things for people with God and his faith, they're mad about it. They're mad about it. I had a little girl in my church. The day I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, spoke in other tongues, was a Saturday morning in May, about the middle of wait, middle of May, two weeks before I graduated from seminary. And that afternoon, God spoke to me about a little girl in my church. Let's call her Judy. She's about 12 or 13. She'd had ear problems all of her life. She'd had four sets of tubes put in her ears, and none of them had worked. And the moisture in her ears had continued to stay in there because the, the tubes are supposed to drain that and keep that away, and the air will dry it. And that hadn't, so they're going to cut her head open on both sides, do a surgery to see if she's going to be able to hear at all. And God told me, I want you to lay hands on Judy tomorrow, call the parents and talk to them, and I'm going to heal her. That's what the Lord said to me, I'm going to heal her. So I called the parents and said, did you mind if I pray for Judy? She's going in next Friday for surgery, right? Yeah. And they're going to cut her head open and pull all this out and see if they can make her restored. Yeah. I said, well, I'm going to pray for her and lay hands on her. Is that okay? Yeah. I prayed for her and laid hands on her. They took her in Friday. A nurse came out and got her. They, they knew who she was. She'd already been there, and they checked her. The doctors, then the doctors came out with the girl and the nurse, and they said, well, her our ears are perfect. What happened? Hallelujah. You'd think that dad would be doing flip-flops and yeah. cartwheels in the foyer of the hospital, but instead he called me. He's madder than a I don't know what. He's just ready to cuss me out. He did everything but cuss me out. I, he said, I'm not coming back to your stupid church either. I said, sir, 
You know, of course, I'm not, I'm today, I'm way beyond where I was back then, talking to people. I'll put up with all your nonsense. I love you, but I'm liable to just go off on you verbally. In love, I love you, yeah, I love that love stuff. I said, you're, are you her father or not? Well, you know I am. Well, what is wrong with you? Listen, God healed your daughter for nothing. It didn't cost you a dime. I didn't heal her. God did. And you're mad that you don't have to go get her head cut open and go through all the recovery. And they told you, you told me, they said, we don't even know if we can fix it. And God's fixed her perfectly for nothing because he loves you and loves your daughter. And you're mad about it? I said, you're just not right. You're not, you're not a normal dad. I, I feel sorry for you. I'm going to come back to your stupid church. Good, I don't need you. And you look under, you know, in the, in the dictionary for idiots, he's got a picture of him right there. That's how I feel about it. You taking that back? No, I'm not going to take it back. No. We're talking about some. Does sickness glorify God? Matthew 9. Let's go look and see what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 9. I, you, you know, I'm not mad at anybody, but that bothers me when people, when God does something significant for your family. And he, he don't even, he's not even thankful. He don't need to thank me. He just needs to thank God. But he's mad at me because I prayed for her and she got healed. I don't know. That's, that's religion to the max. You know, Matthew 9, it says here, you know, this is a guy, I think he was crippled and sick of the palsy. Verse 2 of chapter 9. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, you know, um, the famous fighter Muhammad Ali had that in his later life. I saw him at a hotel one time. He was shaking like this really bad. He had uh, some form of palsy. It's a disease that affects you where you shake like that. Probably did, I mean, I don't know, probably got hit in the head too many times. I don't know. I just know the poor guy was really in a bad way as he got older. But anyway, it says here, he said, uh, they asked him what, <laughs> says Jesus knowing their thoughts, Verse 3, they, they said to, to him, this man blasphemes, Jesus. And why do you think evil in your hearts, verse 4? And whether it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven, thee, or say why rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, rise, take up your bed, and go into your house. And he arose and departed to his house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled. Just the multitudes, they were thrilled. The religious people were, un they were bad people right then. When the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God. Now, let me show you something. When did they glorify God? After the man was healed. Then it, that's what brought glory to God, not his sickness. And it says, uh, which has given such power, the Greek word there is authority unto men, unto Jesus, but also unto others of us too. So we're seeing that sickness does not glorify God. Getting healed glorifies God. That's what we need to think about. Being healed glorifies God. Now, let me let me talk to you just for a second here. Let's go to Proverbs five. I'm, I mean Proverbs four. I'm just about finished. I think I'm going to be finished. Uh, we're going to talk to you about. Uh, I went to Cosair's Children's Hospital one time. Somebody down in Kentucky, I think it was Pastor Relaford's church, Gerald Relaford. I was friends. We were, we're still friends, but I don't see him very often. Uh, somebody that went to his church in Columbia, Kentucky, knew some folks from another city down there, and their son fell in a grain elevator and ingested some of the grain into his body, and then birds had went to the bathroom in there, 
and it gave him meningitis. He's in the hospital, he's dying. So the lady that I knew, she said, you know, Dr. Jacobs, could you go see this little boy? You know, his parents are there with him. They're just, they're fit to be tied that their son, he's only six or seven. He said, Cosiris, and I said, well, what's their name? And he gave me, she gave me their name. I said, do you think they want me to come? Do you think they would welcome that? Well, I think so, Kathy said. So I said, okay, I'll call. And I got his room, talked to the dad, and I said, this is Dr. Jacobs and Kathy so-and-so, who's a friend to you and your wife, I understand. Yes, sir. She said, your son's in the hospital, and he's really bad way, dying with meningitis. Is that correct? Yes, sir. I said, would you like me to come today or tomorrow and pray for him? I'd be glad to come. I believe God that God will raise him up. He said, I'd love it. So I went the next day. You know, he was, bless his heart, he's, befra he's just frazzled. His hair is a mess, you know. He hadn't slept. He's with his little boy, the mom. They take shifts. The mom would stay a couple of days, and he would stay. And when the, the son saw me, he started crying, thinking I was a doctor. I was going to fool with him. And we had to tell him, no, I'm just going to pray for you, so I'm going to lay my hand on your head. Pray for, I prayed for him, and you know, he began to amend. From that moment to later, he just got better. In like a couple of days, he got out of the hospital. Now, the man came back to my church a few years later, maybe a year later, dressed in a suit, looking sharp like Pastor, uh, Pastor Parker today. He's just jam boogie. He looks really nice. <laughs> jam boogie, you know, that's my way of saying he's cooking. <laughs> and uh, so... He came, and he came, and I didn't know who he was. I thought he was a visitor. He came up and said, sir, you don't remember me? I said, I apologize. I don't think I do. He prayed for my son at Coast Air. I said, well, yeah, I saw you in jeans. Your hair was a mess, and you were concerned for your son. That's the right guy? Yeah, and your son's healed today, right? Yeah, he's totally he's back in school. He's doing good. They thought he was going to be dead in a few days when I was there, but all that changed and began to come out of all that, that meningitis. It's a serious thing if you get it. And so I said, I would have had you give a testimony, but service is over now. I didn't know if I'd you'd have given me a note that you were here, the, the father of the boy from Cosair said, Admin, I would have had you. Anyway, praise the Lord. I'm telling you, it's just all kinds of things. Here's another testimony. I'll tell one more testimony. We'll read Proverbs, and then I'll minister to you if you'd like me to. Miriam Cabrera in Honduras, her and her husband, they owned a restaurant there in Tegucigalpa. That's a big word to say. It's the capital of uh, Honduras. And they owned a restaurant there, and then they had a nice home. They had three kids, and they took a liking to me when I went to their country with the pastor that I was connected to back then. He's real, him and his wife, wonderful people, but we're not connected anymore. But uh, she had a bad back problem. I, I prayed for people with bad spines one night. It must have been 40 people getting in line. There was 200 people in the meeting. And I got to her. Miriam Cabrera is her name. And I hit her in the head like that. And she just stood there. And then I went on. You know, I just tapped people and stuff. So the next day, I'm having lunch at her house. She, her and her husband, he's the cook. It's kind of Cajun-style cooking. He was a great cook, and he'd be in the kitchen. Miriam would get us around the table. Now, Dr. Jacobs, I want you to sit here, and Pastor, you sit there, her pastor. And I'm going to sit here. I want to talk to Dr. Jacobs about what happened last night. I said, I'd be interested. I hit you in the head kind of hard today. Did you feel something? I didn't feel that at all. I felt electricity start here in my neck, go straight down to my spine, my lower spine. She said, when I was six years old, I fell and broke part, chipped part of my tailbone and said, I've struggled with it. I've had three babies since then. And I try to take them to school, and after 10 minutes driving, I'm, I'm not even to school yet. i got to stop the truck and get out and walk them in. I can't take the... It. So I said, has that been intense all? I said, what level has it been since so you were... How old are you, Miriam? I said, I normally wouldn't ask a woman that, but you know me pretty well. I'm 41. 
So are you telling me you've had that for 35 years? Yes, sir. And what kind of level of intensity? Oh, uh, crucial. It, just, it would control my life. It hurt so bad. She said, but I felt a hand grab the part of my spine right, right at the bottom, above that area that's affected, and a hand beneath it and pull it, and all the pain left, all the symptoms. And I have a lady in my church I did have. She's not with us anymore, but she was for a long She went on furlough down there in Honduras. I said, if you run into Miriam, ask her. It's 15 years after that I'd prayed for her. If she's still doing good, she said, tell Dr. Jacobs, I've never had another symptom. Now, you know, I couldn't put my hand in somebody and do that. The angels that work with me did that, but she was totally healed when that angel got done with her. I've seen people laying on the floor that had scoliosis, their back was curved in or out or this way or this way. And I'd see angel go in there and reach straight through their midsection, grab it by the tailbone and jerk it, and that thing would just get per poker straight as a poker. Yeah. Seen a lot of things. I ain't got time to tell you all about it, but try and tell some of it. Proverbs 4, this is the key to your healing both now and forever. So don't forget this. Verse 20 of Proverbs 4. We're going to look at this together. It says, My son or daughter, my believers, who we would say today, attend to my words. Attend to his words. You know, TV has its place, maybe some, but it shouldn't take a major place in your life. The word should take a major place in, in our life. And if you don't like the King James, find a translation you like. There's 50 of them anymore. When I first got saved, there was only two or three or four that I know of. I probably got almost 35 different Bible translations in my bookshelf now. My son, attend to my words, incline your ear unto my saying. That's why it's so important with whatever you listen to, you know, like on your um, computers or phones, listen to somebody preaching the word, incline your ear to my sayings in the word. Let them not depart from your eyes. This is why I look at my Bible when I read it, and I like to do that said, let them not depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them. So you've got to look for them, find them. And health, or the real word there, is medicine to all their flesh. Now the lesser translation, lesser, he, Isaac Lesser, he was a Hebrew scholar, and he says, to all his body a healing. And Rotherham translation, I think it's called the emphasized Bible, Rotherham, says to every part of one's flesh, they bring healing to every part, to your brain, to your intestines, your heart, your liver, your lungs, your bones, your blood, <laughs> you know, your, everything that you have. Hallelujah. I just wanted to read that in closing. And that should be something, a staple that we look to regularly and uh, are able to do that and feed our faith. Now, I've got a couple more things to do. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.